Hello and welcome to Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking. Thanks for joining us. I'm Malcolm Borthwick, Managing Editor of Intellectual Capital at Bailey Gifford. A shopping centre in Kakadi, Fife, not far away from us here in Edinburgh, sold for £310,000 earlier this year. That's less than the average price of a flat in London. It was held up as another example that online shopping is destroying bricks and mortar retailing. This is an easy charge to make, but it's not the whole story, according to Milena Maleva, joint manager of Bailey Gifford UK Growth Fund, who joins us in the studio. More on that shortly. But before we start the conversation, some important information. Please remember that as with all investments, your capital is at risk. Milena, fashion. This is the main retail segment that you look at. It's also been one of the hardest hit. We've seen House of Fraser, New Look and Marks and Spencer dramatically cut costs. Nearly a quarter of all fashion spending is now online. And that's something that's commonly blamed for store closures. Do you think this is fair? Yeah, I mean, it is fair to an extent, I think. Uh, there's no question that technology and online shopping have, um, have had a profound impact on consumer behaviour. And as a consequence of that, then it put a significant challenge um, to establish practices of retailers in areas from marketing, inventory management, pricing, um, fulfillment. Um, however, it's a very simplistic narrative, I think, and I think we need to move on from that narrative because I think I don't think it really shows you the full picture. If we look beyond the present and, you know, say five, ten years from now, which is what we do as very long-term investors, things might look quite differently. There'll be a lot of, you know, what are called brick-and-mortar retailers that might thrive, you know, that they're not doomed to um, to fail. Uh, and equally, some of these online challengers, as they're being um, described, that, that people think, you know, they've got the path to everlasting glory, um, I think some of them might, might, might fail to live up to expectations. This sort of narrative has been a case of looking at the symptoms, really, rather than the disease. There's profound changes in consumer behaviour, both physical retailers and online retailers can respond to those changes very effectively. So it's not the case of one or the other. And give me some examples of how retailers are adapting to those profound changes in consumer behaviour. If you look at the really the sort of whole dichotomy between physical retail and online, I mean, it all comes back to the store. You know, what what is the importance of the store? What's the relevance of a store? The store can be the sort of locus for experience, for the customer to experience the brand, really to step into a brand's world, so to speak. It can be a place where retailers build relationships with their customers. I think undoubtedly there's a huge host of very mediocre retailers out there that have very undifferentiated, very sort of dull and uninspiring store bases, you know, people that have overexpanded and have really quite undifferentiated store bases. But equally, there are so-called, you know, the so-called brick and mortar retailers are examples of those that have always really had a very, I would suggest, keen appreciation of, of retail theatre, of this point about using the store as a very potent weapon to create loyalty in customers, to really bring them in, the, to give them the sort of window to the, to the world of the brand. 
One of the ways in which some of the good ones have done is is by the use of so-called pop so-called pop-up stores, right? These are these are temporary spaces that hosts temporary collections of the for the retailer, say for a couple of months, um, and they they are a lot more than just showing showcasing you know say clothes. For example, in in the UK, I, I do think one of one of those examples is is Ted Baker. They opened one such pop-up store in London um, a year ago in in sort of celebration of their new collection, which is called Color by Numbers. And if you look at it, I mean, it's it looks more like an art gallery. It's not really a retail store. Um, it has um, it has they host different activities in that store. Things like say chroma yoga. You know, this is a type of yoga that combines light and color techniques. Um, they host um, famous bloggers to give styling advice to to customers. They have you know walk in walk in nail appointments. There's a coffee shop. In other words, it's a lot more than just a place to sell clothes. It, it's somewhere where the the customer goes in and. In experiences what, what what Ted Baker wants to achieve with his collection. You know, what are the key messages that they want customers to have? And I think that works very well. The founder and chief executive of Ted Baker, Ray Calvin, resigned earlier this year following allegations of misconduct and harassment. Um, I mean, he's synonymous with the company's growth. Does this change your investment case for Ted Baker? It's a very difficult question and one we are actually debating um, quite a lot at the minute, um, as well as, of course, engaging with the company in the process of, of, of this coming out. Um, it, we do believe that Ted Baker is a very strong brand and he is very well placed to adapt to a lot of the changes which we are um, taking place in the retail sector and which we're talking about today. Um, however, we also believe very strongly in the importance of long-term leadership um, that, that the founder, Ray Kelvin, has had on the company and its success. Um, so we're really trying to reconcile these, these two different elements. You mentioned earlier, Milena, the constant desire from consumers for both change and choice, and this has been brought about by online shopping. Um, how retailers manage their infantry is also important, isn't it? Yes, it's it's crucial, in fact. The days of mass inventory approach, this approach where retailers try to be everything to everyone and produce many items of the same thing, it's, it's really over and it has been exposed by the very nimble, responsive business models of the online fast fashion companies in particular. Um, it's incapable of dealing with that insatiable appetite for, for, for change and for novelty. Um, so again, I think retailers that are successful are those that are responding effectively to this change. And, and, and a good example here, it comes really from the world of luxury brands. Um, here in the UK, um, I would give Burberry as an example of a company that I, do, I think is doing interesting things. Um, in particular, they are trialing this initiative called the B, the B Series, which basically involves um, introducing new lines of, of product on the 17th of each month. So you, you create that, you satisfy that desire for, for, for excitement and for novelty um, by introducing new items very, very frequently, but they do so in, in limited edition. So there's, 
there's a limited edition, um, a limited number of each of the items they're introducing in these drop collections, these capsule collections each month. And they're, they're, they're giving consumers the possibility to purchase them only for 24 hours. Um, so what, what you're doing is, 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 is this um, very neat interplay between, you know, let's satisfy the desire for, for novelty and for excitement and for buzz, but at the same time create this, this feeling of desirability, of hype. There's only a limited amount of these things available, so, so people really want to get their hands on them and, and, and they sell out. So it's, a, it's an interesting response and a, and a novel approach to, to inventory that I think other retailers can, can learn from. And people always demand things that are scarce, don't they? Indeed, exactly. It's it's a deliberate um, undersupply of product, um, which which basically creates um, even further desirability on on uh, in the consumer's mind. How do these artificial barriers between online and bricks and mortar create investment opportunities for you? Well, it does at the minute, I think, because um, the market, the valuation multiples of the market is is willing to attach to what people perceive as traditional brick and mortar physical retailers are very different from the ones that they're willing to attach to say an, an online only um, 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 retailer you know the, the latter camp are on, on quite significant um, valuation multiples whereas whereas the, the former are sort of beaten up and unloved stocks and you know whilst there, there, there might well be some just justification in either either of those cases I think as I said it, I think the story is much more subtle. Um, than what people are making it out to be. The differentiation between um, online and bricks and mortar mm. maybe not always helpful, but also quite blurred because although you know we see bricks and mortar companies going online, we're also seeing the reverse happening as well at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a great point. You know, you say about um, flat, um, rep, you know, imitation being the best sort of form of flattery, right? Um, and that's exactly what's happening. There's some really successful online-only brands, people that started off is entirely digital brands, you know, the likes of Warby Parker in the US is, is a great example. All Birds, which is a sustainable um, trainer company, is it, super hot at the minute in the US and, and now here in the UK. These guys started off as entirely digital brands, but they are actually now opening stores. Um, and I think that's just, it speaks to, to what we've been talking about. It, it Stores are a lot more than just a place of transactional activity. Data. This is all important, isn't it, to retailers? Hugely important, and and I think the 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 one of the big weaknesses with physical retail is that so much data that is still generated in stores. I mean, there's so many customers. Most transactions, you say, twenty five percent is online in in broadly apparel in the UK in this country, but but. The, you know, the quality of that, there's so much on, there's still going on in stores. And, and and you're dead right in the sense of this, people don't really do anything with that data, right? Um, but, I mean, if you're more of an optimist, the interpretation you take from that is there's so much that technology can do to make physical retailers better in that regard, right? And it's what people, some people refer to as augmented retail, What's, what's augmented retail? Well, it, it, it partly it speaks to to this ability to really harness the data, the customer data that you have from 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 people walking in the stores and and make and make good things with it. Um, uh, and, uh, there's a great example here. I think the, um, a company called Farfetch. I think these guys are doing interesting work in work in this area. Farfetch is actually an online business. It's an online platform 
that connects connects luxury consumers, consumers that buy luxury goods with with brands and luxury boutiques. Is this a UK-based company? It, it is a UK-based company. It's a UK headquarter company. It's listed in the United States. Um, and it, it is the top e-commerce destination for luxury goods in the world by traffic. I think last year it became that. But what they did do, interestingly, they actually bought a high-end boutique in London and they've come up with, with, with what they call store of the future. And they use this physical physical retail store, this boutique, to actually as a test bed for some of these some of these things that we were discussing earlier on to do it, to do it, what can we do with data? So they have um, um, some of the stuff that they've developed around that is, for example, you know, I walk into a store of, you know, a store of the future of a, around some, something like that concept. And I'm immediately recognized. I have a universal login, which recognizes me as myself when I walk into that store. I start browsing around um, for clothes. Each and every cloud rack has an RFID, a radio frequency identification chip on it, which detects that I am which clo- which clothing's uh, pieces of clothing I'm picking, which clo- pieces of clothing I'm looking at closely. So it knows when you pick it up. Indeed, so wow. it knows exactly where you're picking it up, and and it does something more than that. It actually then creates a wish list. Um, that's your wish list of the things that you've looked around, and that wish list gets automatically sent into a fitting room, and there's a digital mirror in that fitting room that allows you then to start summoning the various pieces of, of, of clothing on that wish list to change change the sizes, change the, the, the colors of them, um, and you can try them on. Um, and then rather than going and queuing um, and, and going behind, you know, to the till to pay, you can pay at any any point, any any place in the store. It's, it's, it's a mobile payment system. Um, so you're standing in front of the mirror and, and literally the colors are changing on the yeah, dress you're wearing. You can, ch- you can change what, I mean, yeah, I mean, some, some people, you're right, some people go even further and, you know, one sort of augmented reality in these things advanced from a, from a technological point of view, yes. I mean, you would be able to actually see how you look, how a digital version of you looks um, wearing the different clothes. Um, but but the point about the far-fetched store of the future, I mean, they refer to some, some something called offline cookie. So we know about online cookies, you know, when we go on websites and they know what we've seen and what we've browsed, right? But we can, you know, what if we can create an offline cookie um, that, that's basically in a physical retail store? You know, that can be quite powerful because as a, as a sales associate, sales associate in, in, in that store, you know, you know the customer, how long the customer's been there, what they've, what they've liked, what they've, what they've tried, the things that fit them, the things that didn't fit them, what were their preferred delivery options. You know, you know a lot. You, you actually gather a lot of that data. And what that allows you is to serve them much better. You know, you actually can allow, you can now have a lot more personal personalized experience as a customer um, than you were able to before. You know, a, 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 sales, a sales associate, and, you know, sees you um, and knows that you've looked at a piece of, piece of you know, clothing, a dress or, um, or shoes or whatnot. And then, you know, you walk out of the store and say 90 minutes, 90 minutes later, they send you um, a targeted ad through your, you know, Facebook account or Instagram account um, that, that for that specific piece of clothing or, or that specific piece of jewelry or a bag, you know. And that's, that's a lot more relevant to you. You know, it's not just the sort of blanket advertising. They know what you really liked, um, you know what what we were tempted to tempted to buy, so it's 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 a lot more efficient for 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 a company to 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 actually make that make that bridge between the physical and the online and the online layers. And and I think this bridge, I mean, I, I certainly find when I'm shopping is really 
important from a fashion perspective because mm. you, you do want to have the touch and feel of what you're buying, which is really important to consumers. Indeed, it's hugely important. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, I, I I like that um, the the Farfetch founder has has um, um, has this phrase that says, you know, fashion is not like music um, and movies. It's it's not downloadable. You know, and I think that speaks to what you're saying. It's it's a lot more than that. Hence, hence I think you know, in fashion apparel, fashion in particular, I think the the sort of simple story that, that online will destroy everything. I I don't think tells you the the whole the whole truth. And as a consumer, what do you look for when you're shopping for fashion? I look for inspiration and individuality, I guess. Um, as a consumer, you want to express, people express themselves through clothes. We know that. We've always we've always known it. Um, and I think retailers that allow people to do that um, are the ones that I think are quite successful, personally. You know, they speak to me. Uh, the problem, the problem, Malcolm, is that I, you know, I, I can't even do shopping anymore. Sort of forget about my investment analysis when I go into stores. You know, I go into stores thinking about, oh, you know, I'll go into a Ted Baker store thinking about, oh, my, I must check how the store looks. It's more, it's more with my critical hat on than my consumer enjoying the experience hat on. And have you ever <laughs> gone into a new store and thought, actually, this is a company I should be thinking about investing in because they get the consumer experience? Yeah, definitely. I I I think I I think I mean it goes back to what I was saying earlier on the way that the stores are the window to the soul of the brand and if if they're done well they tell you a lot about what this brand stands for and and what its identity is and and if if that fits with what you want then then it's a fantastic way. So it's it's some somewhat I think is the retailers that are not afraid you know they don't want to have all the customers. They want to have the customers that fit what they want to do. Um, and they don't they don't want to be everything for it to everyone you know it's the ones that that really try um to get the customers that will be loyal to them because they 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 understand what they're trying to do um these are the ones that I think are successful and will be successful because you can't be you know the 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 risk is that you try to be everything to everyone and I think that fails because consumers quite often get alienated and you know the ones that you acquire end up not being very loyal to you Melania, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Not a problem. My pleasure. You can find our podcast, Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking, on iTunes, Spotify, and on our website at bellygifford.com forward slash podcasts. We hope you enjoy it, and please spread the word. Curtains, clothes, fridges, and face creams. All base products are everywhere. In our next podcast, we'll be looking at the biological alternatives. And many thanks to Lord of the Arts for the music. The track we've used is called Horizon Effect, which was released on permanent vacation. Until next time. Mm-hmm.